Hi, welcome to the I Am Like Worth podcast. I'm your host, Carl Stoveland, and we're up to episode number 23, if you can believe that. My guest today is Bama Lutz Deal, who is the cultural concierge for the Cultural Council of Palm Beach County. That's a that's a really big title. Welcome, Bama. <laughs> That's not even all of it. <laughs> oh, well, lay it out for us then. Got, well, I, I'm actually the program manager for the Cultural Concierge Program, which is a service of the Cultural Council of Palm Beach County. So we're... That's a mouthful. Does that even fit on a business card? Well, we're looking at rebranding the Cultural Council, so we'll find out what the new and improved version looks like once okay. we finish doing a little bit of research. It sounds good. So where we are at episode number 23, we're in May of 2019, we have finished the I Am Lake Worth 2 project that was at at the Hatch Gallery. We had another 35 local Lake Worthians who were photographed in the show, and it ran for about a month. There will be an I Am Lake Worth 3, we're calling that We Are Lake Worth, and that's going to be not only single people, but also groups. We're working that together now, and I'm going to start shooting in June. The show itself will be again at Hatch. We love working with them there, and that will be in April of 2020. So mark your calendars now. I'll give you exact dates soon as that gets closer and closer. So Bama, let's start with what the Cultural Council is and then what your role there is. Well, that's a great place to start. I Actually, I first knew the Cultural Council many years ago. It's been around for 41 years. It is exist with a mission to champion, engage, and grow the arts in Palm Beach County. So our mission is to find ways to advocate for the arts, to help people understand the value of the arts in the community, to facilitate arts instruction, arts education, and opportunities for artists of all disciplines, and to, on the, on the tourism level, to connect visitors to the Palm Beach County area, all 39 communities, with the kind of art and cultural experiences they might personally like. That's kind of where the cultural concierge program comes in. But also with our events calendar and our website, there is a focus on helping people engage with the arts in this community. And with when I say the arts, we mean individuals and organizations in the creative sector. It sounds simple when you first say the first sentence of it, but the mandate is actually quite broad. We occupy a space which is not the same as each of the individual artists or the individual organizations. They run themselves. What we do is, on their behalf, speak as a voice because artists can't do it all. They, they really can't. And we find funding opportunities. We have a grants program. We do marketing of the arts, and we create that middle ground that's not, we're not marketing individual organizations or individual artists, but we create platforms that they can use mm-hmm. and allow them to market if they so desire. We offer, um, we have something called the Institute for Cultural Advancement, which was new this year, funded by um, a very, very kind donor. Um, and the purpose of the Institute for Cultural Advance was to create educational opportunities or how-tos, how to, how to do Facebook marketing, how to, how to do this, how to do that, um, where people in the creative sector are busy creating, sometimes they didn't go to business school. They don't know about a certificate of insurance or, you know, mm-hmm. they might not understand some of the mechanics of bringing their products to market. And that's a space that we can help. So there's a lot of layers to it. And 
as an artist, the audience can't see this, but I was raising my hand when you said that because I did take the uh, the two week two weekend class um, on writing an artist statement and um, doing the applications for grants and stuff, and it was so helpful. It really was because that's an area that um, my writing I was a little bit weak in and needed a little bit of a helping hand, and that really having people read my stuff and then um, give me some feedback really really helped. So. I'm living proof. <laughs> and well, I'm so happy to hear that because it's thought leadership in a way, but we, we can we can make it through our board and the vision of our organization. We can make it possible to look around the country and even around the world and see what kinds of opportunities are emerging that we can help facilitate for the local creative community in all disciplines. It can be dance or theater, you know, music, all of these areas. And we're, we're building that out. That's, Really, really great. It's a it's a great mission. You guys seem to be doing a great job. I love that you're right here in Lake Worth. You know, you picked a great spot to be. Could easily have been in Palm Beach and, you know, a little bit more secluded, but I like that it's right here in the middle of everything that's going on. We do too, and so do I personally. Now, we, uh, we actually met before I even moved here. <laughs> I wandered in. I was, it was the week that Wendy and I were looking for houses, and I wandered in trying to figure out what the art scene was and somebody sent me to the cultural council and I wandered in and sat down with you and we had a nice long that. chat. I remember you. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought this guy's cool. Let me take him for a walk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We went to see uh, Rolando to see if he was home at his studio before he closed the, the gallery on, on Lucerne on Avenue. Lucerne. Right. And I showed you the murals around town. That's right. Gave you kind of a historical perspective. That's a, a perfect example of curating for a visitor. You were, I think, a visitor at the time. I was. We hadn't, uh, we didn't even um, put the offer in on our house till the next day, but I had decided Lake Worth was the town that mm -hmm. day for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's all worked out pretty well, too. <laughs> I'd say for everybody. I'm an old time Lake Worthian, and my mother even was born in Lake Worth in the long time ago. And so I love the town. And when I get the opportunity for someone who's visiting and saying, I'm thinking about settling here, I kind of check them out. So I was making <laughs> sure you'd fit in, Carl. Yeah, well, you're <laughs> also a good, you. good advocate for the city. You know, you. You, you're definitely a good ambassador. Um, that's So I don't always get lifelong Lake Worthians and lifelong mm -hmm. Palm Beach County people here because you know, if you look at the population growth since uh, 1960, it's definitely yeah, become it's true. The, the sixth borough of New York City sometimes. So with that, let's talk a little bit about Lake Worth itself. You know, what's, what is special, what is unique to you about Lake Worth? For me, it's roots. It's home. It's where I was born. It's where my father was in the Air Force. So I have to preface this with saying that before there was a Palm Beach International Airport, he was stationed at an Air Force base, Morris Field. And it's it's from his eyes and my mother's eyes that um, my understanding of living in Florida came. And then specific to Lake Worth, it was this downtown, this area that's still here today. So I can give you my childhood impression but I can also couch that with hello today. Um, sure, let's today, do that. Today, it's really fun to look and see that I work in a, a building where the Cultural Council um, ha is headquartered that 
for many years brought cutting edge film, if you will. But that started in like 1940. I wasn't here then. (laughs) (laughs) But I like history. So for me, it's like, wow, what's the story of this building in this place? And then I'll see a house. I'll see the cottages up and down Palmway or um, Lakeside. And I'll think, I wonder how old that place is. Or I'll head across town to B Street and I'll I'll look at where the coastal dunes are. There's a ridge, you know, up at A Street where you're beyond the railroad tracks, but you continue to go up towards I-95 when you're on 10th Avenue. You'll notice you're going uphill from D Mm -hmm. to A Streets. And I'll think, who all has lived on this hill? How many people have been here? I, I just, I wonder about these, the humanity of a space and I like the scale of Lake Worth because it's still exactly. very personal. The scale of it is exactly right. And uh, you're absolutely right about the downtown, too. I mean, it reminded me of Nyack, New York, with its Broadway that runs parallel to Hudson River and Main Street that ran right down to the river. And it was broad and wide. And it was an early 1900s kind of destination place where steamboats would come up from the city for people to spend the day. Mm-hmm. So it really was one of those kind of places. It also reminded me of Newburgh, New York, on the Hudson River, a little bit further up in Orange County, you're just before the Catskills. And that had a Broadway that was, I want to say, 50 feet wide with grand stores and a giant Masonic Lodge on the corner and all mm-hmm. that history. And it had that same feel to me. I felt, I grew up in that part of the world. So sure. when I saw Lake Worth, it spoke to me. There's a and stability in its its very presence, you know, its architecture, its its sense of community. Right. And it, I think that the, the existence of that downtown fosters that feeling and helps it percolate here. I get, I get a kick. I look at, like, plate glass storefronts in some of the buildings that are Art Deco, screaming Art Deco. And I think all the things that have been in that window... Over the years, you know, and at a certain point in time, it tells a story. If you zoom out far enough from that, it says a lot about who lives here. And 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 it's nice that it still exists. I don't think most towns have preserved it as well as they could. But we, fortunately, um, it's it's all whether still by here. happenstance or I don't care how, as long as it's, it's here, here, I'm good. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I I feel the same way. And and that was one of the linchpins for Lake Worth for us was. The downtown because you know you go up and down the east coast and there is nothing like this it's so this is a really a little gem here that is just and mm-hmm. it you either get it yeah or you drive past it it's one or the or other you dismiss it because it's not new and shiny yeah you know, but let it it's got character my god it's got character so, yeah um actually i there's so many landmarks that are parts of, of life stories like you in, in Nyack. And I think for many people, your experience, if they're transitory and they've just come here and just they're discovering, they can relate that there's decades and generations before them who left a mark here and saved it for you. And I I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm older. I don't know. But I, I was younger here, too, and mm-hmm. I love that it's all familiar to me, that that drive down Federal Highway is just about the same as I remember when I was 12, you know? That's that's very parallel to a feeling that I get. We go to Cape Cod every year in the summer, or mm-hmm. we have for the last 20 years. Um, might be changing of our plans this year, but 
There is this thing that happens when you cross over the bridge. My blood pressure drops 20 points and (laughs) you're driving along Route 6A and it looks exactly like it did on the bay the way it did when I was 12 years old and I would go with my parents. And it's just, I always think of uh, Field of Dreams with, you know, memories so thick like fireflies, you have to swat them away. I love the the visual of that. That's the kind of stuff you like to read, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you can go to the beach and just roll your window down and you can breathe the same ocean air. And as, you know, my husband's not from, from South Florida and not from the Palm Beach County area. And he's just discovered in the last four years what life is like here. We, 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 lived far away for some time and we returned Mm -hmm. in 2015. And that's when I started working at the cultural council. One of the perspectives I have that, that is completely the opposite for him is the weather here. I'm used to beautiful, balmy, gorgeous, wonderful, warm, incredible weather. And, and this is like normal, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But people who grew up in Ohio or lived in North Dakota or have had um, New York experiences with weather, they have a whole different mindset or almost an attitude toward the weather. Whereas I'm like, yay, the sun's coming up. It makes me very optimistic every day because, oh, good, the water's coming. It's raining. We need the water. You know, I just have this perspective that's rooted in the sand and and the water nearby and it's tropical and that's good and i like it and it's okay if there's a storm here and there i don't mind that as a huge fan of the everglades and whether i totally embrace that but there is this little part of me that has not my body has not acclimated <laughs> to 95 degrees at I 10 know. o'clock in the morning but we have air conditioning and swimming pools it's really okay <laughs> There's a danger in that, and there was for me in the first year here, is that I stayed in the air conditioning too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you'll never acclimate if you don't get out and sweat. That's right. You know, so you Just have to work get out in the, the yard sun. or go go take a walk. Yeah. yeah, and for me, it's the bike. Sometimes it's walking. I like the bike more, but you gotta people gotta get say, outside. You know, and people say we don't have seasonal living, but we do. You learn when to go outside. You mm-hmm. learn when to take your walks in the summer. Versus when you take your walk in the winter. Oh, we absolutely have seasons because from November to April, it is the most pleasant place on the earth for anybody. You know, that's why the northerners come down here during that time. And the summer just takes a little getting used to and a little working with. I'm going to be a real local and say, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm one of those northerners that came and stayed. (laughs) I know, I know. That's what's so fun about the conversation is we can really connect at so many levels. And yet, I'm, I'm... I've been watching them come and go for a long time, and it's funny that that um, that I get to now work in that industry a little bit, mm-hmm. and and yet still be rooted in the arts. The other thing I hear about um, people coming to South Florida, they'll say there's no culture here, and I think, oh my oh, god, give that me is a so break. wrong. <laughs> this place embraces art like no place else I've ever seen, and it always has. If you really do the history and do the research, you'll find the way the arts were promoted in the 50s and 60s and 70s in schools and programs and the kind of artists that came out of this part of the world are pretty amazing yeah it's not just miami folks it really is the Mm -hmm. whole florida did you know lake worth was bigger than miami before flagler built the railroad wow really i i can believe that because the further south you went there were less people i mean right you know you you look at key west now and just how packed it is and how touristy and Part of me just wants to time travel to the year I was born. If I could go to 1966 and be in Key West for a couple of days, boy, that's a book right there. Oh, it is probably, (laughs) I would imagine. Probably a pretty bawdy book too. Yeah, well, there's some pretty interesting people still around to kind of 
I'll give you a list when we're done. <laughs> well, I, and I certainly like the the comparisons of Lake Worth to being a mini Key West. I get that with the cottages and the feel. It's not exactly the same. It's its own animal, but it I still has an old Florida feel. That's yeah, for sure. old Florida. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned, you know, loving the cottages, and and certainly I do too. But I've come to really, really appreciate the neighborhoods like yours and mine mm-hmm. with the mid-century houses and mm-hmm. what people are doing with them and some of the paint jobs and how how futuristic they look even 60 years after they were built. I love that whole mid-century vibe. Um, my home was built, it's a cottage, what's in College Park, and it was built in 1952. I think you said yours was from the mid-60s. Or this so. one here is 60s, right, yeah. Right, they were, they were built in a in a really meant to last quality kind of way, and so they can be reframed with today's aesthetic and repurposed. Yeah, really you're absolutely easily. right. Yeah, this one is definitely on its second generation of life and lifestyle. It's more open than it was when it was built, mm-hmm. and it suits the current lifestyle here. Well, you've you kind of made it part of your creative world. Well, that's because every inch of wall space has my art on it. It's, it's cheaper than storing it. <laughs> Better than having a studio. Just live in it, right? <laughs> but it's really, really nice people. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So let's uh, let's delve into you a little bit. Um, what do you do that people who know you from the Cultural Council might not know about you? What are, what are some question. of your driving interests? I love literature. I love reading a really, really, really beautifully written book. There are... Most of my books that I love the most, I'll save. There's Charles Frazier's 13 Moons and Connie Mae Fowler's Before Women Had Wings. And the pages are dog-eared. Because I'm a rereader I, for I language. I fold them over because they made me weep or they made my heart sing or they, they just grabbed me in a certain way with the way the author attenuated to that moment and and they captured it and so I love language but I also aspired as a as a visual artist I I love to draw and I haven't taken the time to reclaim that in mm-hmm. a while so I recently started just a sketchbook you know where I sit and work on something and um they might not know that I do that um because I work a lot. It's a sure. full-time job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's hard to find those little wedges and corners of my life that I really love um, people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I genuinely enjoy meeting people. And then I'm as open-minded a person, I think, as, as you'll ever find. <laughs> to listen. To listen. That's some cool stuff. And I, I find that the... Um, I, I think Lake Worth helps that. Um, first of all, it's, it's an open and opinionated city. People are wide open with how they feel. You're not going to not get opinions from people. And I feel like in New York, I was a little bit more closed off to other ideas and not terribly, but it's definitely bloomed here. You know, my embracing everything that is out there and just enjoying people, you know, without I always tended to look for motives in people in New York. And here I'm more cool. Look what this guy brings to the table. You know, it's just, I feel like, and it may be just my situation's different. You know, I'm managing our rental house and I'm working on my art. I'm not working in a full-time corporate career anymore. And I think that pressure may have been part of my, my psyche at that point. 
Well, when you have those things you have to answer to as part of your day-to-day survival, you know, it's it's your job or it's it's your commitment um, in that particular vein. Um, it's going to take time away from things that you're really, really made of in your essential self, you know. And when you have the freedom to go deeper into who you are and what you want and really give that some air and space and light, that's great. So, I mean, I have my eye on the future and I have my eye on, like, balancing my work life a little bit more. So yeah, I think we that, all can relate to that. That That's a trick, balancing responsibility with making sure you take care of yourself and, mm-hmm. and nurture, if not who you are right now, who you want to be. Or have know. fun. Just have yeah. some fun. Fun is good. And on the vein of fun, it's 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 not just fun for me. It's It's a little bit of personal development, too, because it's a skill that I need to do better to help with my other work is I started taking it happened by accident um I took a an iPad drawing class up in Jupiter at the new studio and that was phenomenal and I found out they have an open studio figure drawing class on Friday afternoons for three hours that's a great studio it's really wonderful I really like going up there you know Peggy and Ted yeah, yeah yeah I've been working with Peggy and the um it's not a class, it's just an open studio with a clothed model, but it is, boy, this this is five two-minute poses as a warm-up and then five 20-minute poses, you know, your drawing, cho- your drawing yeah. chops get better every week. It's all those decisions you have to make before that pencil touches or whatever you're and using. I'm forcing myself to stay on the iPad and work from life with the iPad but I see a few weeks from now I might drag out paper and charcoal and, and go old school on it. But just the getting the eye-hand coordination back, mm-hmm. I'm used to working from my photographs. And there's a vibrancy from working from life. So I want to continue to add that to my work. Mm-hmm. How fun to go yeah. to a live model from a photograph. Good for you. Frustrating at first um, because... But a step, a big step into space. And until you go into, well, I never did that yet. Yeah. Just do it. And it's it's kind of funny because those those two minute I'll never show those that first week of two minute drawings because they're stick figures you know it's you just where am I gonna how am I gonna get there well, you know Carl there's something to be said for the years of old school I think you mentioned going old school there's something to be said for that development that learning to train your brain and your hand and your eye with a master kind of guiding the steps mm-hmm. so I think it's interesting you found a school that's gonna going to lead you forward um in 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 that devoted study time i think that's that nobody's born this magic well some people are some children i've seen <laughs> just do amazing they're so perfect um amazing creative work but i think as adults we put ourselves under a false expectation that we're going to instantly be really good at something and if we're not we're going to be ashamed of it just play. I've had to I've had to back away from that feeling because that is definitely how I was wired. If it didn't come to me right away, mm-hmm. you know, like cooking came to me just out of thin air. I understood it. Mm-hmm. Photography, it's mechanical and it's art, and I got all the moving parts right away. It took no time. Now, music theory, I can read that and read that and read that and practice and practice and practice, and I love it, 
but it just does not get a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe more teaching, you know, helps with That's that. That's probably They're, what's going to have to be the next step. Sometimes you need a master. It's anything in martial arts. You need a, you need someone to give you feedback and show you a new way and yeah. maybe help you retrain your brain a little bit. There may be parts of your brain you're not using yet. That That's, to me, what the arts offer to all of us, whether we're trained or not, is an opportunity in a space to to discover those parts of ourselves, you know, to really um, find our voice, if you will, mm-hmm. um, from deep inside. And when we do that, we're a lot more authentic with the rest of the world. We kind of know who we are and who we exactly. like and don't like a little bit more easily, and, we're, and we navigate better, I think. And the other thing that taking a class every week has um, helped me with is I, I'd forgotten this because I used to go to a weekly watercolor class in New York for mm-hmm. – five six years is that my work has become very solitary whether i'm out in the everglades in a swamp by myself for three hours with my camera or i'm doing a digital painting or a watercolor here at home i tend to work by myself and i like the interaction the the social aspect of going to a class and you know even if you don't get anything done the chit-chatting about art and the other parts that you know what book are you reading and that fun Mm -hmm. stuff so Mm -hmm. that part was missing and i'm glad i stumbled onto that how about um, you're into music in a big way, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I have a lot of decades of experience in music. I, I played piano since I was four and all through college. That helped pay for my college studies. I studied music education for three years before I got married when I was very young. And then subsequently I went back to school after joining the Musicians Union when I got divorced, also very young. I joined the Musicians Union here in Palm Beach County, and I started playing the French horn professionally. Wow. I had played the French horn in high school here at Lake Worth High School and earlier at Lantana Junior High School, so (laughs) very local. But we had music teachers and music programs even at Palm Beach State College, then Palm Beach Community, I think Junior College they called it. Um, we had really fine teachers and really fine musicians, like from Indiana University, and you know they were on the faculty at the the local junior college, um, and so I was able to engage with a fine piano teacher, Marlene Woodward. I studied with her for a little while. Mm-hmm. I, I I had Jane Sur as a piano teacher for many years, and I had Joe Lusk as a band director at Lake Worth High School, and so. When I was asked what I wanted to do in my yearbook, it was study and teach music. And I went forward on that trajectory. Um, Like I said, I finished three years of music ed, and then I got a little derailed in my personal life and got (laughs) married and moved to Cleveland and wondered, what on earth do people want to live in that cold for? But I love the culture. It was a great city. Um, I studied with a member of the Cleveland Orchestra for many years and later on studied with... um, a member of the London Symphony Orchestra. I took private lessons periodically, and then I went back to school seriously after I was in, um, I was on the air for a little while at WXEL Classical Radio in Boynton, which is gone now. Um, sadly, we don't have a public radio station in Palm Beach County, but we need one. It's yeah. Nice, really nice uh, for those of us who like to really listen intensely. So I did that for many years, part-time while I was playing in Palm Beach Opera and playing Palm Beach Symphony and Miami City Ballet Orchestra and all the all of the I-95 orchestra, I kind of called it. That's, that's a lot of credentials. <laughs> and then I did, then I went back to school at Florida State and I finished, I finished that bachelor's degree in music and started studying German because I decided I would do a master's and a PhD in musicology, wow. which is the sort of 
academic uh, research end of the music world, but we interpret music within culture. Mm -hmm. And so we look at cultural studies a lot. And I taught at Wake Forest University in UNC Greensboro most recently before I returned to Florida when my husband retired. And now I wish I had more music in my life. I play horn only occasionally and mostly at Taizé services at St. Andrews in Wake Forest. <laughs> um, and that's when I'm able to able to do that. Um, so it's it's not what it once was in my life. But you never, I think musicians never, ever, ever, ever leave behind that part of the brain that, that is, is so fully activated. Musical study just ties up all these different parts of your brain and makes a whole lot of spaghetti in there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, even though, like I said, I'm not a good musician, I have two mandolins and a guitar and I still practice all the time. And you're right. I probably do to take it to that next level. It's like golf. You, you're never going to get better until you have somebody show you how to do it the right way. They help solve problems. But I certainly, I like what it does for me to relax, to play. And, you know, yeah. um, I'm kind of inspired to um, really try and focus on the guitar again after I started going to, Jazz on J Street for a while. Yeah. Um, well, I still go. I help with the sound. I was taking pictures every month for a while, and I'm helping Jerry with the sound now. I like to go to the Sunday kind of blues at the Brewhouse Gallery, and uh, Mel and Vinny are usually there if they're not touring around, and a bunch of other locals that mm -hmm. I know. And I've really gotten into blues guitar again, so I'm going to probably focus on that a little bit. That'll be that'll be a fun summer project. The blues are so awesome. That's you know I just recently watched. A documentary because I have a, one of those heads that says, "Yeah, documentary, turn it on." Oh yeah, <laughs> you know me I love too. those. And there was one um, very recently, and so as a music historian, I was listening to the musical structure of Native American music, and that that is the voice of the blues. That is the kind of singing. That is the kind of drumming. That kind of thumping and thumping and thumping, and calling out. And and I was so pleased to see that brought into an engaging medium for television. I thought, this is why I'm a music historian, because I'm a geek. But there it was, you know, and it was it was beautiful, and it was really meaningful to contemporary music lovers. And that's, that's really kind of cool, because now you've taken the I'm viewing culture through the lens of music, but now you also viewed music through the lens of culture. So did you, I? <laughs> that's, that's a lot going on. Cool. That's that spaghetti head. <laughs> Can you also uh, manage to keep it all contained for a while, or is it always like it's, an experiment getting out of the lab? Every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> kind of don't open that box. <laughs> but I don't mind. I mean, I, that's who we are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if you can find a spot in the world where you're appreciated and make a living and get to do all the things you like to do, how you get there and how you do it, who cares? Cool. So we, we've reached one of the points that I try to do during the show, show, I guess it's a show, podcast. Um, what are some of the places you like to hang out in Lake Worth, some of the places you like to go, things you like to do here? I like the beach. Mm -hmm. I really like to just drive up and down A1A. Oh, my God. All, as often as possible, I will go east instead of west <laughs> to go from north to south or south to north. So that's... Build in that little extra bit of time and really enjoy the ride. Breathe a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. look and, and look at the colors and take in the, the 
the scenes with the palm trees. You know, I, I that makes me feel good. That spot on A1A where the canopy covers the road, boy, Going that south. makes my heart yeah. sing every yeah. time I go through that. I like to go, um, it's not in Lake Worth, it's down to the Boynton Inlet, which is just a short drive. Mm-hmm. And I like to walk on the jetty out there sometimes and just watch the power of the ocean coming by. Um, it's one of my favorite sunrise spots. Mm-hmm. And I like that little nest of sea grapes at Lake Worth Beach right at the top. By the, between the parking lots, there's a little park area. Mm-hmm. And all my life, that was kind of a place we went to. So I like that. But in, in, in town, I just, I love right where I work, right downtown at the Old Lake Theater, which mm-hmm. is the Cultural Council headquarters. I love that I'm in that building every day. Um, and I, I kind of like walking by on the side. Porch, You've got that great window. Say. Yeah, I've got a so window, I so I see you. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> And then at home, I, I, I like my front porch as sounds like I should get a rocking chair or something, but that's not what I'm saying. In the middle of the night, I'll go out on my front porch and I will look up at the sky and just breathe that balmy air and listen to the sound of night in, mm-hmm. in, in the tropics. You know, it's really beautiful. And, and thinking about front porches, I like the tightness of the older neighborhoods here, the houses are close together, something, you know, at one point in my life, I would have tried to find something that was the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming from living in condos and all that, I would have wanted space, but I like the houses close by. I love that we have a little free library in the front yard and we've got comfortable chairs on the porch. So I late afternoon, if I just hang out here, come back from a bike ride and sit on the porch, I get to wave and talk to the neighbors as they're going by. That's pretty cool it's community uh, there is that i i know my neighbors on each side and across the street in both houses and i i'm thinking of all the places i lived over the years um that, that you probably that, didn't have that i in 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 the larger cities no i didn't have that i had a great big giant house and i had we'd have 90 people over for christmas you right. know, but really but you wouldn't we didn't have that I'm in my shorts now, <laughs> you know, I'm chilling out and come on over, girl, let's talk. When I love that porch time. You'd get your neighbor's mail and you wouldn't know their name. You'd be like, which house is this? Yeah, I got to look at the number. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's the beauty of it. And then you knock on their door and you feel like a stranger here. I don't feel that way. Right. I feel like if I knock on your door, it's because you know I'm coming over. I literally feel if I needed a cup of sugar, there are five houses uh-huh. Right, right here that I could just walk over and go, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar or a beer? Yeah, or a beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all good. That's yeah. that's an amazing. That's probably right up there near the top of my list of things that have changed in my life that I think are really, really for the better is the sense of community here. It's also a really diverse community, and that's something Thank else I have goodness. not mentioned, but I really want to to praise that we have people from everywhere here. That to me just makes it that much better. And part three of my project, I feel like the first one, I grabbed people I I had met right away because I had started almost right away shooting when I got here. And so it was a little homogenized. But with each iteration of the project, I'm bringing in more people that I don't know and get the chance to learn about them as I go. There's a lot of space for you to go into. Absolutely. A lot of stories. And that's... That's the great part. I mean, this project could, could roll on and on and on and on. I don't know if I want to do it on and on and on and on. I mean, you could reframe on, it so many ways, like when did you come here and why? And right. And start there and, oh, my gosh, so many stories. Yeah, you could even you could even go back over some of the people you have, you've already photographed with some new questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe they just get invited back for a second podcast. I remember seeing you um, when you were doing the very first I Am Lake Worth project at um, – Mockingbird, Gray Mockingbird mm-hmm. Garden, and it was Earth Day. 
Right, that first and Earth Day that was here. there was a wonderful Native American dancer did an incredible performance. He did a ring dance. Mm-hmm. That was really incredible. I remember getting his CD because <laughs> I just <laughs> loved hearing hearing uh, him sing and hearing him perform. I'm such a sucker for live performance stuff when I see people. I almost always buy the CD. And up until three, four weeks ago, I didn't even have a CD player to play them on anymore. So I, I actually I had that, to get a CD. That's kind of got to put it in my computer. That's the only place I can play it. Well, even and my com- I have an old desktop. <laughs> even my computer didn't have a CD. So I, I wanted to keep my old one so that I can do that. Because, you know, even, even with some of the old um, storage things that I had. Unless I want to buy new equipment and transfer over. And I think, why? Well, just keep what I have. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep it and it's in a closet. Anyway, that's off topic. But I just wanted to add that, that the fact that you can meet people from so many walks of life and there's, there's dignity in most of them. And I think the people that, that are suffering sometimes, which is true in any community, I think there's a little bit more humanity here where people go out and buy somebody a piece of pizza. They're hungry. You know, people there, will buy them a drink, hand them some food. There definitely is. And sometimes it's on a... Um, a large scale. Somebody mm-hmm. may have a, a project. I'm thinking of um, the park on Wednesdays, the burrito project that feeds the homeless and the job that the Randy Cafe does with at that. St. Andrews on Tuesdays. Exactly. You know, but also people here are also quick to just do it themselves and right. help take care of somebody when they see something needs it to be done. It kind of comes down to solve the problem. Yeah. Do something to help. Well, that's... That's a pretty good thing to finish up our talk about Lake Worth on. So if you're ready, we're going to lead into the thing that I end the show with, which is the James Lipton questions. Okay. For folks that don't know what this is, is inside the actor's studio, James Lipton used a series of questions with each of his uh, guests to finish the show. And I liked them so much that I copied them. He actually copied them from Bernard Pivot, who was doing them for many, many years. And in fact... Um, Marcel Proust was interviewed this way. So there's a long, long history of these questions. And I'd actually like to go back and see a book of people's answers to some famous people's answers to some of these questions. Okay, with that, here are the questions. What is your favorite word? I'm not one for favorites, to tell you the truth, but there are some words I really like. Okay. So I like peace and I like love. Does that make me a hippie? I don't know. I like those words very much. I like kindness kindness there we're, we're gonna stick with put a pin right there in kindness what is your least favorite word or let's just say a word that maybe you don't like yuck when people say yuck and they throw out it like something's awful and they're they've made their judgment call it annoys me mm. just chill out a little and see if you can hold that in <laughs> it's good for all of us if we can mm-hmm what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Spiritually and emotionally. I think it all starts with spirit. Um, and creativity comes right sailing out of that for me. Um, and emotionally, balance comes out of breathing, being still, and shutting out all the other noise. So I like to meditate. I like to, I like to really search inwardly and take time to notice the inner scape as well and maybe the landscape externally less. And that that's important for all of us to do. I don't think, I think that's where growth happens for all of us mm-hmm. is in that space where we take the time to breathe and to process what has just happened a little bit. 
So that's find out what your spirit is if you have one. And what's what it, its nature? What it might be saying to you. Have a conversation. <laughs> so on that same vein, what turns you off? Meanness. Well, that follows right through with kindness being one of your favorite words, so I understand that. What sound or noise do you love? I love bird song. That's a good I one. I love bird song. For me, it's the sound of a mountain stream. Boy, mm, I, I'm into I, that too. <laughs> I, I can tell you that I have, I swear I've photographed streams for hours and hours and it's talking to me while it's running past me. I don't know what it's saying, but I hear it talking to me. Mm-hmm. So what sound or noise do you hate? Or hate's a bad word. Let's just say don't like. I get annoyed by when people regulate their voice like this and they talk vocal fry. <laughs> and I think, why are you even doing that? Just find find the happy place in your vocal cords and then talk. <laughs> Something As a side note to that, I, I've discovered that life is a lot easier if you approach things from a happy position rather than a negative position because whether you go one way or the other, it carries through everything. I have an expression. I say, don't predict failure. Predict success. Exactly. It changes everything. Because your mind can make that stuff happen if you start out in a bad place. And send you right where you're headed. So what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, almost anything. I'm I'm really wide open. (laughs) At different iterations of my life, you know, um, I I I love teaching, um, but I've done that. I love music making, and I've done that. I think I would love composing and arranging music and and creating. I love producing, which I do also. Um, but I like that bringing new elements of talent and ideas together and creating something really special with them. So I like that production end of things. I do that kind of, I get a chance to do that at my work sometimes for some of the hotels and, mm-hmm. um, you know, placing a certain curating talent, even for individuals, people walk in, what is there to do? And I say, what do you like? And I listen and then I find just the right thing for them. So I like that matching. And I, I don't know what career that is. I don't really have that corporate brain that says, what is your proper title? Um, I just am. And then I go and try and find something I'll fit into. Well, that's, you know? that's, that's as way good I a way navigate. to do it as any, I think. Mm-hmm. So what profession would you not like to do? Probably anything that deals with a lot of tedium, a lot of this form for that and this form for that. I manage to do those projects because I see them as a means to an end, but I really find that I don't enjoy lots of accounting. Mm, you know, paperwork I, for paperwork. I'm a sake. responsible person, but then I don't like to do layers and layers of my time spent validating things instead of doing things Mm -hmm. so but you know there are times we all have to be accountable it's all part of life yeah i guess if you want to get a paycheck at the end of the day you have to show what what you brought to the table sometimes that's right you have to think about it also as you're making the decision of what you're going to get involved in is how you're going to make sure that that's relevant to the assignment you've been given yeah well in your case you're 
you're either you know spending the public's money or a donor's money, so you want to do it as as absolutely well as you can and have a, a great product or yeah. project to show for it. The council has you know a, a great responsibility overall for public money, so there's a heavy load of accounting that mm-hmm. goes into what we do, and that is also passed forward to the people that are recipients of public money for grants. So their reporting is the same, but it, what it builds is trust, and when when we are able to communicate to the creative sector, people like me that don't like to do that kind of thing, <laughs> um, when we're able to help people understand what it's for, how to think about it as you're doing it, and 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 then it's done. It automatically does itself almost if you plan for it. Yeah. And and that's I think that's the trick to doing it, not letting it derail anybody or make anybody argue with it. Just kind of build, needs to be build done. It build process. it into the process. Build it into the project. Um, Put it on your calendar. Make it very, very much a goal. Those things done a chunk at a time. You know, it's what is the the famous saying? How do you eat an elephant one bite one at a time? One bite at a time. <laughs> and I always say that as I go through a project, I'll hear somebody. Just yesterday, I had I had a a person I was working with that needed to give me a particular form, and I could hear him going, <gasps> you know, getting all worked up. And and I said, just take a breath, take a breath. It's gonna be fine. This is the wrong form that you gave me. I think you should check your forms. <laughs> and it turns out he had, he had just emailed me the wrong thing, and he thought, "Well, oh, this is too big of a monster. I can't get past right. this hurdle of paperwork." You know, and I just, "No, no, no. Go back and look." And 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 I talked him off the cliff and said, "See, we could do it. We could do Boy. it." And you just had to kind of hold hands and bring people to the point of realizing they're already able to do this. We sometimes we do make mountains out of molehills. It's kind of amazing how it can happen to us. And it's all about your point of view, you know. Or early on someone frustrated you with this and then they frustrated you again and then they set you up to not be able to do it the third time and right. then you finally said, "I'm not very good at that." <laughs> and the truth is, you just didn't know enough when you started. Right. How to do it, and, and so sometimes you got to go back and pick up those pieces and help artists along. Take them out of the box that they put themselves into by accident. Well, and yeah, and the idea of reporting and accountability is also validating. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a there's a, a flip side to everything. So if if it seems like it's onerous, and I'm you know, preaching to myself here, if it seems like it's onerous to do a mileage report, just do a mileage report and pick up the check and think, what will I put that toward now? Because right. you know, I did all of the things I needed to do. Um, there, there are frustrations in everything everybody does. Um, money being one of the big ones for oh, most course. people, be, especially the arts community, because there's real value in what we do, but that value goes beyond the dollar. And that's why it's valuable in, in a monetary way. But um, artists in the world of ideas and creativity um, don't necessarily engage in capitalism in the same way. Some yeah, do. No, Some really ha- want the money, but they don't understand it. And uh, I think that there's a lot of room to protect them. It's almost like a child. Protect that child. Let that child be creative. Let And it's not condescending like a child, but it's that beautiful, pure, creative spirit that you want to protect and nurture and foster and help be successful. So there's almost like a parenting role Sure. of, sure. of remember... Don't assume this person can't do business, therefore, da 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 That's the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. These people are doing wonderful, I mean, creative things in our world and showing them how to solve some of the problems on their plate is very helpful. And the way I look at it, what you're doing is allowing them to stay in their creative space longer by not being troubled by the process. They, You know, you're helping them learn that the process isn't so bad and 
you know, no. take a little time, you know, carve out the little bit of time you need a day to do it. And then you can stay focused in that space where you're creating and even create more. Even back to that question you asked about what, you know, what do you want to be if you were in some other career? And I said, I don't think in terms of a career like that. I don't have those boxes. Mm-hmm. I don't have that inventory of spaces I could go into. It's not clear in my head. And I think a lot of creative people are like that. I'm just being me. I'm just doing what I do. And these things come to me and I create them. And now I have to bring them to market. And that's the stumbling block sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, or the next level. What does that look like? And artists learn from each other. It's not like we've reinvented the wheel here, but the landscape of commerce changes. Um, rents go up, things happen. So um, I think having advocates and having an organization like the Cultural Council that is examining those setups mm-hmm. and trying to find a way to facilitate and nurture that sector of our community lifts everybody up in the entire area. Indeed you know? And that's, that's what we're after. It's that lifestyle that you like so much that brings <laughs> you here. And it generates jobs. It, it's a quality of talent that's in the area that, that can work in other sectors. It's absolutely stunning to me the number of really quality artists that are within stone's throw of this room from musicians and painters and all sorts of creative people. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I think what you're doing is working because they're, they're well, I can't coming say, here. We can't take all the credit for it, but we can say that Lake Worth deserves a little bit of credit too. And I think the CRA as well, they have a cultural plan that they're implementing that hatch has definitely come out of it's mm-hmm. hatched from that, <laughs> really literally. And, and so we're just championing all that. We, 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 we recognize its value. And, and, you know, if you get in that dollars and cents piece of it, I think the arts generate in terms of primary and secondary markets and, and to the economy as a whole, people going to performances and people coming and staying in hotels and people eating out and all of that. If you didn't have the arts, it wouldn't be here. Piece is $633 million every year. Yeah. That's, that's a big chunk of leading the way as an industry in, in the Palm beaches through Palm Beach County, and certainly Lake Worth has its, it's a nest of artists. It, it really certainly is. is. And, um, we all kind of vibe off of each other, and mm-hmm. I, I, I know that knowing the people that I know here and getting to work with them has only raised me as an artist, you know, so I think that's, that's, that's the coolest part. All right, so there was one final question that was on the uh, Lipton list to just finish out with that, and that's, if heaven exists, what do you want God to say to you when you get to the pearly gates? Okay. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, my good and faithful servant would be just the best. That's there's a reason why people say that because it's it says you did right and come on in. Or you did your best and I love you anyway. There you go. <laughs> I'll take that. Sounds good to me. If I'm so lucky. Yeah. With that, Bama, thank you so much. This was a fabulous conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Carl, for all you're doing. It's oh, fun. It's really good stuff. This is uh you know, people ask me what I do, and I, I don't feel like I work a day in my life. I just get to, to create and be, and like you, I'm putting people together and making things happen There's in my own kind of that. way. Yeah. There absolutely is joy in this. And uh, again, thank you so much, and thank you for all the work that the Cultural Council is doing. I'll pass it on. Thank you, Carl. You bet. Bye-bye.